1: no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the 282nd episode of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporters Awards podcast, which is brought to you today by Hulu's original limited series, The Act, which stars Joey King and Patricia Arquette, in a gripping story based on real events, and is now streaming for your Emmy consideration. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is currently the Toast of Broadway. He's a versatile young actor who has starred on screens big and small, but is best known for his work on the stage, and is currently nominated for the Best Actor in a Musical Tony for his dual portrayal of Michael Dorsey and Dorothy Michaels in the first-ever musical version of Tootsie, which is playing eight times a week at the Marquee Theater. Santino Fontana. Over the course of our conversation at the offices of Polk Company, the PR firm representing Tootsie, the 37-year-old and I discussed the importance of his years as a student in a BFA program that brought together the University of Minnesota and the Guthrie Theater, how he began making his name on Broadway only to have his career interrupted and his life jeopardized by an injury that he sustained during a 2010 performance of A View from the Bridge, How he rebounded in 2013 with the parts of two princes, one on Broadway in Cinderella, for which he received a Best Actor in a Musical Tony nomination, and the other in Frozen, the Disney animated film that became an international phenomenon, and a couple of years later as the love interest on the CW show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. How, most recently, he wound up wearing a dress and high heels and singing like a woman as the star of a show now garnering rave reviews, making more than a million dollars a week, and currently nominated for 11 Tonys, plus much more. So without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Santino, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you. We always begin with just a few basics. Where were you born and raised, and what do your folks do for a living? I was born and raised in Stockton, California. San Joaquin
0: Valley, and moved when I was 10 to Washington State, to Richland, Washington. My father is an agronomist, or was, he's retired now, and my mom was a teacher and a counselor, high school counselor.
1: For people like me who are listening, can you just clarify what an agronomist is? Sure. It's like a combination
0: of an economist and an agriculturalist. So it's basically, he worked with farmers
1: to help optimize their crops. Okay. So growing up, it sounds like most of the formative years would have been in Washington. Yeah, I would say, yeah. And that, you know, they're apparently around a, a large Mormon population. Yeah. Um, what sort of exposure was there to theater and the arts and whatever there? I mean,
0: not a lot because there was no, well, both in both towns, But and I was in California until I was 10, and then I was in Washington from 10 to 18. There was no professional theater or professional music, any performing arts, Visual, any any art, oh any professional. There were no, um, yeah, there were none of those. So, there was a temple, okay. <laughs> a Mormon
1: temple, in right. my hometown, and a very large percentage of our. Uh, You're not Mormon, are you? No, I'm not. So were you? I a, was raised Catholic. Were you able to? participate in the whatever the productions or whatever the temple was doing or that was just oh i you know i don't even know you can't go in the temple if, <laughs> if you're, you're not, not mormon more, so
0: i've never been in a temple i've been i've driven by it right no but there were always you know there were community theater productions there were school productions yeah. that was the majority of what i did there was a children's theater that i was in the very first production of in Washington Mm -hmm. and there was like a community college where they did productions that the community Mm -hmm. could
1: audition for. So in terms of the idea that acting could actually be a a long-term pursuit I mean the the closest thing to that that I in prepping for this I came across how would your I guess your grandfather keep you busy? Yeah my grandfather he babysat for me a lot
0: especially when we lived in California Mm -hmm. and he would go to Blockbuster back when they rented, (laughs) rented movies which is yeah, and he would just rent the movies that he loved, yep. and we would just watch them. And then we would just watch them on repeat and repeat and repeat. And they were a wide range of, you know, Twelve Angry Men and Bridge Over Kauai and <laughs>
1: Singing of the Rain yeah. and, you know, Abbott and Costello and all that stuff. And what did you take away from that? That they're, you know, just that the memorization or, or what was the value of that for you? I think seeing how much joy it brought him, mm-hmm. and that was infectious, and he
0: is an infectious character himself, my (laughs) grandfather, but seeing that and also kind of falling in love with that ability to be taken away into an imaginary world and, you know, feel something and think about it and learn something. And also having shared that experience with the people you were with when you watched it.
1: So as you prepared to go out into, I guess, college years, how did your folks feel about this becoming a actual line of pursuit because I know I guess we should just tell people you ended up at the University of Minnesota in this at that point brand new program yeah Yeah, BFA associated with the Guthrie Theater
0: Mm -hmm. my parents were never anything but supportive even to probably uh, fault (laughs) like there was never no they never said no and they also were the first to admit that they didn't know the first thing about this or anything about it or how realistic it was to pursue it or what it looked like, or if it was smart or not. So
1: that said, they never stopped me and they never, they really did follow my lead. Definitely. So you go off now to Minnesota to do this program. What were the biggest takeaways of those years on, on route to the BFA coming out, I guess, in 04? Mm-hmm. Huge. Yeah. You know,
0: life changing. I mean, I do feel like I, I was really lucky. I went to Interlochen Arts Camp for a summer. That led me to this scholarship competition called Young Arts. Mm-hmm. Which, where I met, and Anthony Rapp was just at the show the other night, he was one of my judges, as was (laughs) this man named Kenneth Washington, who founded the program in Minneapolis, and he kinda, you know, took me by the hand and said, I think he was the first person to ever tell me that I was an actor, and that if I didn't pursue that first i would be a mistake mm-hmm. and i trusted him oh. you know those four years at school which we were the guinea pigs of because yeah. we were the first class 19 kids right yeah we started with 19 we ended with 15. wow and about the important of what we're actually doing and to get your head on straight of like why we're doing this mm-hmm. what we're doing what's important about it what's not mm-hmm. and then how to prepare yourself in as many ways as possible to be able to play as many different people as possible and for a long Career and life in the arts, which is not, you know, I don't think a lot of people talk about that that often. So I feel really lucky to have had him as a mentor and that
1: place at that time, especially because we were all figuring it out. Yeah. Well, it seems from the timeline that I don't know if you stayed in Minnesota or came back, but one of the first big roles out of school was back at the Guthrie, right? Yeah,
0: I tried to move here. I graduated in 2004. I was hired for three shows at the Guthrie, Mm -hmm. Death of a Salesman. Christmas Carol and As You Like It. And then I was also asked to, I directed something that they had seen and Joe Daly asked if I would assistant direct His Girl Friday Mm -hmm. with Angela Bassett and Courtney Vance. Wow. Who I ended up like running lines with them in their apartment. They became very close and Courtney then helped me when I moved to New York. But 2005, I went to the Sundance Theater Labs Mm -hmm. as an apprentice through the Young Arts program. This is so technical and boring. This is great. So I went there and I was in a show that Kate Wariski directed and a show that Michael Greif directed based on the Andrew Cunanan story. (laughs) And I have small roles in both of those. But I met a lot of great people like Harriet Foy and Michael Greif and Emily Swallow and Peter Dubois was up there. So I kind of met all these people. And then I was like, I'm moving to New York right after this. And I came to New York and I lucked out because I got a couple like auditions through those connections. Which very quickly, then it got much harder, very quick and I did the whole, you know, open call thing, and then started auditioning for Hamlet at the Guthrie. How does that work? You're going to go back to... I auditioned, by, I think, four times. Well, I think the first one was here. Okay. So Joe came out with Pat, mm-hmm. and I think, I don't remember, but Pat McCorkle who cast it, but there were four or five auditions for that. Ended up doing all the soliloquies, and they ended up flying all of us to Minneapolis to do it on the stage, because the theater is a huge yeah, thing, yeah. and there's no mics, and... They want to see, can
1: like you really yeah. do it? Yeah. That production was in 2006. So that's a big deal to be playing Hamlet at, what, what were you, 23? Yeah. Yeah. People <laughs> wait a whole career to do that. I know. How did you, was Was it too soon or were you happy with that when
0: or what? I was happy with it. I mean, I was proud of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are things now I wish that I think back. I mean, the, the irony is too, when I found out, when I got the phone call that I got it, <laughs> I haven't really told this story yet. In the Marriott Marquis, which is where Tetsu is playing now, yes, there is a lounge, a concierge lounge, where they give out free food. <laughs> and a buddy of mine, who we would both moved here in 2004, 2005, he was like, there's this place where you can get free food. At the Marriott Marquis, you just have to sneak in. So we would go and sneak in for you know off so many times weeks months at a time i can't tell you how much time i spent there enough that we had backstories i was prepared if someone confronted me that i was bill marriott's nephew and if they asked for my key i would be like you know i'm bill marriott's yeah nephew. don't mess with me yeah and then like can i get your name right. just like all the ways to like scare them so that they would avoid it because you can't be wrong they right. don't want to be wrong right. so i got the phone call while we were there Oh on my, my cell phone, God. and I was stealing, well, basically stealing food from the Marriott Market. That's cla- and now and me. now we're doing the show there. And then, funnily enough, <laughs> like four or five years ago, I was the voiceover for Marriott. <laughs> no, yes, I was. They Traveled like a Brugan TV commercial. Yeah, you've seen it. You've I'm seen Sure, it. I have. You've oh definitely seen God. it and heard it. That's you can't make that up. Anyway, so then I got back and um, yeah, did Hamlet the Guthrie in 2006, and then moved to New York for good.
1: Yeah. Then it was like, okay, let me try it again. Because now, with that credit, does that help your standing here?
0: I mean, does it?
1: I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it
0: didn't hurt. I'll say that. It didn't hurt. But, you know, New York is a different animal. And
1: it's a beast. Well, so that was also in 2006 that you came back here, right? And somehow, by 2007, you're making your Broadway debut in a revival of Sunday in the Park with George. So... Connect the dots. What, yeah. yeah. Well, I did the luck. Okay,
0: here we go. So 2006, Hamlet of the Guthrie and Mel Marvin, who's a composer, mm-hmm. he did the music, the underscoring for Hamlet. Okay. And he's also friends with Tom Jones, who wrote The Fantastics. Right. Not the Welsh pop star. <laughs> so he said, you know, they're doing a revival of The Fantastics. It closed and now they're reopening it at a new theater in Midtown. I think you should audition for this. And it was couldn't be anything more different than Hamlet. Than the fantastic. So I was like, Yeah, why not? So I lucked out in getting an audition right away from that. And then I left that after four months like an idiot, because I was like, Well, it's like a regional theater game, it's four months, I'm done. (laughs) Everyone else was like, Why are you leaving? Yeah. I was like, What do you mean? We did it. (laughs) And then I went out to the old globe and I did Hay Fever and then I came back and did Sunny the Park. Just a regular audition. Yeah, totally regular audition. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't know anybody. Jim Carnahan didn't know me. I think it was the first no, that was after, there was, you know, I, again, full circle, there was a workshop mm-hmm. of the Flamingo Kid, mm-hmm. which is now up at Hartford Stage in the musical. Right. Henry Krieger had written the music and Michael Mayer was directing and James Magruder had written the book. And I had a cold audition for it and met Jim Carnahan through that, which I ended up getting didn't go anywhere obviously and now a whole different team is writing it but that's how I met Jim Carnahan who then brought me in for Sunday in the Park which was just an audition
1: I think what you know having mentioned these first few credits somebody who isn't familiar with you before this might say wait a minute so he's doing Hamlet and then he's singing and he's doing this what I read that kind of blew my mind was that in college where by that time apparently it was already clear at least to you that you know you were a better than uh, normal singer, right? <laughs> by Probably by quite a lot, even at that point. You didn't want people to know that you sang. Yeah, I tried to hide it. Why? Yeah. Because, oh, uh, for, for the
0: same reason that we're talking about it right now, everybody wants to put everybody in a box. It's human nature. We all have biases, and everybody wants to do that. And one of the things that Ken always, you know, rammed in my head was, the world is going to try to limit you. Uh-huh. Don't limit yourself. And the second you say... Singer, Mm -hmm. or if you even say classical actor, or you say you know, comedy actor, Mm -hmm. or you say dramatic actor, everyone suddenly has images and ideas of who you are and aren't, and aren't, and I don't want any of that, I also recognize as I go on, it only gets harder Mm -hmm. in some respects. However, people who have done their homework and know, well, wait a minute, I saw him in Sons of the Prophet, Mm -hmm. or I saw him in in Hamlet, that's also now part of my job. So it's an extension of that. I came to the Guthrie Theater, you know, which started with Zoe Caldwell and Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy and George Mm Grizzard, some of the best actors that have ever played this country. Mm -hmm. And I was going there to study to be an actor. So the idea that I was going to complicate it,
1: I didn't want to do that. And maybe it helped that you weren't like a musical theater kid because no. you would have limited yourself. Maybe at Young Arts at that scholarship competition,
0: for example, you picked three pieces. I sang a song from West Side Story. I did a David Ives monologue, and I did a monologue from The Seagull. <laughs> and Ken, when he right when he said, "I think you're an actor, and you'd, it'd be a mistake if you didn't pursue this," mm-hmm. he said, "Why did you pick The Seagull?" Mm-hmm. It was strange. Yeah. And I now see, but it's also incredibly representative of who I am yeah, and perfect. who I want to be. Right. It's a challenge, you know, mm-hmm. especially when what we're trying to do as artists, as actors, you're trying to inhabit other people's skin. And the very idea of that has no limits on it. Right. So why would you then try to categorize, especially today, right. everything is categorized. Mm-hmm. Everything is specialized. So to fight that is a challenge, but also I feel like a necessity.
1: Right. Right. What do you remember of that first night, the Broadway debut in Sunday in the Park? Oh, I was very
0: excited and very nervous. And I remember it feeling very kind of like, yeah, it was, it was super, and also that cast was great. And I loved all those were, people. Who were some of the others? Oh, uh, Daniel Evans and Jenna mm-hmm. Russell and Michael Kumpste and uh, Jessica Mulaski and Ann Nathan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could go on. Yeah. It was a great group of people. And um, Sam Buntrock, who became a friend, who was the director,
1: Alex Cimignani was in it. Yeah, it was a great, and that score. great yeah so really cool so from there you went into I think what would have been the longest run in anything up to that point with Billy Elliot like 10 months yeah you're the brother sort of political guy in a show that gets (laughs) very well received right I mean that was a, a what does it feel like now you're certainly experiencing it again with Tootsie but you know to be sort of part of the toast of broadway that's a gotta can you breathe a little at that point when up to that point it seems like it's just you know can i join the club now you're sort of in it i think well no no i mean no
0: i hate to i i I always oh it's so hard to talk about i mean i feel like what i will say it added to the arsenal of experiences of understanding what the life of an actor is or can be Mm -hmm. and billy elliott could not have been more different than Sunny in the Park mm-hmm. or anything I'd done up to that point. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, still yeah, there were three boys that alternated who were all amazing What dancers. were their ages? Oh, I think 9 to 11 nine to 12, to 11. 12 yeah. something were in there. Yeah. And there were 40, I want to say, I can't remember, I think 40 people in that cast and like 20 children like with child guardians <laughs> yeah. and teachers and Yes, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, yeah. And they'd also already done it in Australia and they'd mm-hmm. done it in London and it was a movie. Yeah. And um You got it on the basis of Sunday in the Park or No, I had an audition. Okay. I had an audition. And I was excited because he didn't sing. Because <laughs> people <laughs> right. in, in Sunday in the Park were like, Oh wow, you beautiful, pretty. We didn't know you sang. I was like, Yeah, great. Yeah. And then uh and I loved I used to have a joke, especially when I was starting out. If the character had an accent or cry, I would get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you were always good at uh, well, crying I did, uh, and or, accents. Or, I don't know.
0: I don't know why. It became like a joke. Like, right. does the character cry? I was like, mm, I don't know. Again, I think that goes back to like the Guthrie Feeder stuff. Of you want to be able to do everything, there's no dialect. Any person who knows the international phonetic alphabet can't learn. Right. So this idea of this Geordie accent, which no one had heard, right. and really there are very few people in America that ever hear it. Yeah. That was exciting to me, and it was exciting to be able to be, like, kind of a guy in a straight play surrounded by
1: dancing dresses, (laughs) you know? So then I think you did something that I don't know if you had done before where you— I'm kind of terrified by your research, by the way. I
0: love it. I'm both honored and terrified and scared to what, death. What's coming? But I can't. Well, I know it's coming. We're going in order. Right. It's very nice. So, Oftentimes, you know, people ask me, like, so uh, how long you been acting? Like, Get me a gun right now. Uh, not
1: for him, for me. Yeah. So I appreciate it. My pleasure. So, Brighton Beach Memoirs, where you personally got the first recognition that you're saying is not what it's all about, but it's still nice. Uh, now that, <laughs> that now I'm that saying too, what it's yeah. not all about. Uh, uh, 2010 Best Featured Actor in a Play Drama Desk Award. Again, an older brother character. Yeah. And everyone from George Clooney to whoever, the people audition yeah. using scenes from Brighton Beachmauer, Why is that such a pleasure for actors? That part is an amazing part, first of all, Stanley. Yeah. I will say also
0: with that experience, which, you know, we closed in a week, it was still great. I mean, I was texting with Laurie Metcalf the other day. Noah Robbins, who played my brother. He's one of my best friends still. Jessica Hecht and I are neighbors. Manny Eisenberg, I call for advice still to this mm-hmm. day. Like, what do you think about this? David Cromer came and saw the show. I've done multiple readings of things of his with him since then. It's a great, first of all, and he got to meet Neil Simon. There you go. Hang out with Neil Simon. <laughs> Neil Simon called me Santo because he said Santino was too long. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like my audition, after my audition, Jay Binder also, I owe a lot to because I was Jay Binder's reader for years and he, I think I was the first person they saw and he knew I could do it mm-hmm. and I knew I could do it mm-hmm. and it's a tricky part. There's a lot of dramatic stuff, but there's also, you got to land all those jokes right. as brief as it was. That was a great, at times tumultuous, but great experience Dennis Bootscaris.
1: I also am still in touch yeah. with all the time. So that was a short run for one reason. The next one, A View from the Bridge, oh God. was a short run for another yeah. What the hell happened? Oh, God. <laughs> well, the good news is, and I'll start with this, I'm fine now.
0: I will tell you, and again, in this idea of like adding experiences to your arsenal, mm-hmm. I mean, even what we just talked about, you add in Brighton Beach Memoirs. how can a Neil Simon comedy close in a week when the reviews were pretty good? Mm-hmm. From what I heard, I don't really yeah. read reviews, but pretty good. Mm-hmm. Going into, okay, now you're going to play love interest opposite Scarlett Johansson with Liev Schreiber. Awesome. With Jessica Hecht, who was in Brighton Beach. Right, Fantastic. Right. And then I hit my head. and uh, how, did, how did that happen? It was in a scene, in the middle of a scene. Which is, it's a physical scene. I mean, if you go back also through the history of that play, it's cursed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a great casting director who will remain nameless. <laughs> After I came out on the other side, she closed the door. I came in the office, her office, she closed the door and she said, you gotta that show with your life. <laughs> and she walked me through all the people from other Franklin Langella told me a story of he had played Rodolfo and he had gotten injured as well. Like it's a physical it's about a working class really? group of people and But your lucky. injury was severe so
1: like knock you off for Yeah, long.
0: I had the contusion on my brain the size of a baseball and it landed right in the center of my skull on the side of my skull where it's fortified. And the doctor literally showed me the MRI mm-hmm. and said half an inch to the left or to the right and you'd be dead. Was it a fall or a hit? No, it was in fight choreography within the show. During a performance? or during Yes, a during a
1: performance, during a preview. What happened? I finished a, the show. You finished the show? And I did five shows after that because I'm an idiot. Well, so were you just in massive pain or you didn't realize how? No,
0: the, the thing about a brain injury, about this one in particular, well, first of all, I don't think there was any level of pain I would have called out with. Mm-hmm. You know, that's also part of like right. learning your life right. as an actor. You don't do that. Right. So I hit my head. I tried not to make a big deal out of it because I was like, yeah, it's probably fine. I called a buddy of mine who was in medical school in the mm-hmm. city who is from Richmond, Washington, mm-hmm. who's still one of my best friends. And I said, I hit my head. I feel kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And he asked, have you thrown up? I'm like, no. He was like, are you alone? Do you, is anyone staying with you tonight? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm alone. He was like, if you throw up, call me back. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you're fine. I fall asleep. I wake up four hours later, I throw up. Ugh. And then I fall back asleep. That's dangerous. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. I call the company management. They send a doctor who says I'm fine, <laughs> which I'm not. Rosemary Tischler, great casting director, and Jessica Heck both kind of pull me aside within those five shows and they say, You need to go see another doctor. Did they? Notice that
1: what yes, it was your they speech said, or they something? They said
0: you seem a little out of it. Yeah, and I don't blame them because I felt one of the symptoms of post-concussive syndrome mm-hmm. is you feel kind of drunk yeah. all the time. Yeah, you're kind of loose. You can't really follow things the way you used to. However, you have no problems with things you already have in your brain. Right, it's new information that you can't handle. That's so right. the show was fine. It was when we would be talking about notes or I'd be trying to answer questions that I realized something is not. Right.
1: Obviously, the most pressing thing was your health, but to have to withdraw from such a oh, I had no major choice. production, was it upsetting on that level as well? Oh, it's not just upsetting. It was yeah. terrifying. The yeah. doctor said to me, yeah. the
0: doctor who showed me the MRI yeah. asked if I had any non-cognitive skills. Yeah, add that uh, one up. What uh, does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, what do you mean, like a bricklayer? Yeah, Can I be yeah. a bricklayer? He was saying that you may not recover. Oh my that God. Every brain injury is different. So some people do not get back to where they started, yeah. and some people do. He said, if you came in from the street, this is so dark and depressing. Yeah, I'm, is, I apologize to the yeah, listeners. Fine. I'm fine now. I'm going to say it again. I'm fine now. But at the time, yeah. there was a year where we didn't know, where I had to do cognitive therapy crap of you know memory games and all that to see, am I going to be able to get this back? which is when Sons of the Prophet stepped in, which the last line of that
1: play is, I'm having a bad year. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> and about prophet. a character who thinks he's dying. Right. So the reading was for a show that, of course, goes on to be a finalist for the Pro- Pulitzer yeah. and all this. But forget about it. That's a long way back from where you were. Damn straight. They literally told me, they said, the doctor was like, we could hospitalize you,
0: but it's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. Or you can be in your room, but it needs to be dark for three weeks. That's so I did. was in a dark room in Brooklyn yeah. for three weeks. And I had friends come and give me meals and like the guy who I hung out with at the marquee.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah he was picking it up there. Yeah, and yeah. No, it. really. And
0: it, it was uh, a, <laughs> listen, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but I will say it made who I am now mm-hmm. 10 times stronger. And also it made it so clear what's important
1: mm-hmm. and what is not. Well, I think that it was also two other things happened that right up, about that so, so, that was 2010 that you mm-hmm. came back. You're doing the reading, yeah. That show, I guess, ends up happening in 2011. Yeah, I did Importance to Being Earnest That's right what before I want. that with Brian Bedford. Yeah, and then I guess on a personal note, something else you I think you met your now wife, I met wife. my wife during Importance to Being Earnest, the second half of it. So things were turning around, I guess, <laughs> yes, <laughs> from where they were. <laughs> well, I didn't have many options. No, it was, it was either like to
0: disappear or things are going to get better. Right, right. Yeah,
1: exactly. Okay, so 2013 is the year of the princes for you because yep. I don't know which project came about first. Probably Frozen, right? You know, I think it was they really overlapped. Yeah, uh,
0: I had auditioned for Tangled, and then uh, this is the movie from Disney. Yes, and then later on. They called me in for, I think it was called Snow Queen. It was a different script, mm-hmm. different story. And I was in the callbacks for that, and then it fell apart. And then months later, Frozen, different character, different audition. And that there were several auditions to that as well. And I think it had
1: started while the workshops of Cinderella had begun. This is now, we're talking Cinderella on Broadway. Yes. And so you, do you think that you, so you were on Disney films radar yes independent of you doing cinderella it wasn't that jamie which, roberts the yeah. great
0: casting manager who's a friend of mine as well she saw me in billy elliott okay she brought me in from billy Elliot. she she saw me in billy elliott she ran into me in the street right after with katie lowes ironically the tv actor and great actor yes. not just tv theater yeah. film yeah they're friends as well ran into me on the street and they were like do you want to go get some food we went and hung out hit it off they were asking me all these same similar questions you're asking. <laughs> and then uh, uh, she called me back in. And so I was on her radar. Yeah. But, you know, then, yeah, exactly. And I think the end of the workshop of Cinderella in 2012, mm-hmm. I want to say, coincided. The day it finished, the workshop finished, Laura Osnes took the cast to a yo- frozen yogurt place. Yep. And I got the phone call while we were there. While you were
1: there. That, you, that I got frozen that's awesome i'm gonna be the villain well so yeah the the cinderella prince is the good prince and laura Osnes is terrific right i mean she is i think most recent thing was i saw her in was bandstand uh, bandstand uh yes yes i mean she's done a million and so many i'm probably yes. yeah i think she's like and also i think is she She just shot a hallmark movie i think but was she also maybe i'm losing it but is she also in like you Fossey Vernon. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Okay. Yes. She was in Fossey Vernon as well. And so, so was
0: I. Cash, my old classmate from the Yeah, go. It's nice that and a few people. Jessica Heck's husband directed my episode. <laughs> to figure that one out. So there Adam Bernstein.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Well, so that show went over very well and you got your first Tony nomination, Best Actor yep. in a Musical. And I think also you're, again, this person who at the time was your girlfriend, now your wife, was in it as well. Is that one that. You look back on as I would think it's a probably a pretty hard to top one. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our wedding.
0: She came. In, Jess went into the show. We overlapped for three weeks towards the end mm-hmm. of my first year. Of I just did a year, and then Jess yep. came in, and other people came in. But our wedding was in 2015, and it was <laughs> like, primarily the cast of Cinderella. Of Cinderella. La, Vicky Clark sang. Peter Bartlett was our officiant. Wow. Yeah, Harriet Harris, all those people, Anna it they were all there.
1: Yeah. And then you. You know, you go off and do Frozen, and I, I sure any Disney movie is going to be a big deal. But did you have any no. sense this was a phenomenon? No, I've said it before. I'll say yeah. it again. It
0: feels like you're a sperm donor to a kid who becomes president. <laughs> I mean, you, you were there. I was there five days, and right. one of those days was just sounds. So one day was just like, <clears throat> mm, <Yeah>. mm, <laughs> <sighs> that was a day. So there are four days over right. two and a half years right. of doing that. And then, it, you know, then you're sitting next to children on the airplane that are watching it or people dressed up. As I walked here, That's there was great. a giant Elsa, you know, stuffed doll <laughs> in Times Square. Time Square. <laughs> and I want to go say hi.
1: Well, they don't a, get it. A lot of Broadway folks mm-hmm. were part of that. Right. I mean, we got Josh Gad. Yeah. Um, John Groff. John Groff. Kristen Bell had done. Adina. Uh, <laughs> and Adina. Yeah. yeah. Well, Alan Tudyk. So that was a that was the good prince and the bad prince here. And then I think. One of the first times that I saw you would have been in Act One, yeah, which was a year later on Broadway opposite Tony Shalhoub, Shalhoub. Yeah. who uh, was great in that as well. And and again, now going from musical to a play. straight play, yeah. which that was a even just the staging of that was interesting. You guys had such a complex, circular, revolving set and whatever. But I mean, when you work with somebody like a Tony Shalhoub, who's been doing it forever, are you the kind of person that will seek out? Advice, or is it just sort of, or you know, input, or is it just sort of taken through osmosis? What's there? I mean, I think Tony's incredibly not only generous, but
0: incredibly approachable, dude. They came to us the other day. He's lovely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we played poker together. Like it's <laughs> any, any question I'd have, I'm sure he would be more than happy. And Andrea Martin as well, who's yeah. become also very close. She's a she lives up by us. And Chuck Cooper was in that cast. I mean, that was uh, I always say about that show, it, it's not the work, it's the stairs. Yeah, because it was like two people who don't know. It was like a, it was like a revolving set that I think won the Tony for Beowulf, mm-hmm. and two flights of stairs that I would run up and down, up and down, up and down. Constantly, yeah. And we did a Fitbit. We put a Fitbit on me. <laughs> I did. My, my dresser, Lauren Galatelli, who's still my dresser now, right. she was like, we're going to see how much. And we had bets. Yeah. And I, I think it ended up being like, um, I want to say either a mile and a half or two miles a show.
1: Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So this brings us to where probably people who can't spend much time in New York and who don't necessarily investigate who's voicing characters in movies they see where they would have gotten to know you for the first time, and that would be Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yep. This is, of course, Greg Serrano, the gruff bartender, <laughs> in 22 episodes spanning 2015, 2016. It's musical dramedy that was on the CW, Alien Brosh McKenna, Rachel Bloom. Had you first hear about it, and what appealed to you about it?
0: I had an audition during, I think it was during act one. And at first I was like, I don't think so. I they don't they don't want me. That's not <laughs> I'm not right for this. And Telsey casted and yeah. um, they brought me back and they were like, please, please come in, we really think this is gonna fit. I came in, played the piano, sang, did the scenes, improved a lot, which was actually really fun. Mm-hmm. Got the pilot, Mark Webb directed. It was supposed to be for showtime, you know, that whole story. Well, then, I yeah. think that
1: but that's interesting because that would maybe affect your plans later. I mean this it was did. gonna be a thirty minute showtime. <laughs> Comedy, that's quite ten different. Episode, yeah, 10 episodes. 10 episodes. Quite different than, what would it be, a 20... Up
0: to 22, 24, two, you know, whatever they want. Right. I mean, uh, uh, an hour-long show, an hour-long show shooting an hour-long show is very right. different than shooting a half-hour show. I had not gotten married yet. Mm-hmm. My wife's whole... is from Philadelphia. Her mm-hmm. family is here.
1: Her right. friends are here. Her, you know. Yeah. It's it's tough. It was well, tough. Well, so for, for the season that you did, you made it work by... I mean, this was in L.A. Yes. Your wife's in a show in New York. Yes. Not easy at the beginning of a marriage. Not easy.
0: <laughs> Not easy
1: and scary because right. you realize, you know, also,
0: yeah, it, again, this goes back to Ken. Right. What are you doing and why are you doing it? Right. I want to tell, tell great stories with great people uh, and play great characters. And I want to do it because I think it's important that people unite behind common experiences and understanding what other people go through and step through step through and and you step into other people's shoes and you understand what they experience and then people are able to empathize with that. That's it. And I love my wife. Yeah, That's (laughs) a good reason. Not only happy wife, happy life, but (laughs) that's the the life that we had. It just suddenly there was like, oh no, what's going to happen here? Are you going to stay in New York Mm -hmm. while I'm in LA for six more years potentially? Mm -hmm. Are you going to move to LA where you know no one? And also, I realized if I had been her Stepping into the shoes of my wife. Mm -hmm. You meet this guy. You get married to this guy. You want to spend your life with them. And now they're saying, you got to move across the country where
1: you know no one. Yeah. Just to play devil's advocate, though, are you thinking at all to yourself, if I pull out of this opportunity, there's no guarantee that another one of this high profile comes along and i could be screwing myself well
0: yeah of course i mean i thought everything i mean the good thing is my agents were very smart they knew like this isn't it's very rare for a show to have a second chance like that right which is fantastic for the show but they knew and they said you've got to make sure this is a one-year contract because we know you yeah and they knew i wasn't auditioning for things that would relocate you and Potentially seven for year seven years of an hour-long show, right. they knew me, so right. they said we've got to make sure. And I was upfront and honest with them about that from the beginning. Yeah. So when that year was up, and we were like, and also keep in mind, we had no idea if it was gonna, yeah, it continue. was Not a guarantee at all. No. So yes, I mean, I thought everything. I thought all of the <laughs> worst scenarios and the best scenarios, and
1: and the way it resolved was that airport. Yeah, yeah, that's Which right. Was nice in the second season bow on the on the whole thing, and uh, I guess they've now wrapped the it's still, show yeah. after four seasons
0: yeah some of the cast vela and dave were over at my place the other night who plays heather and white josh and Donna Lynn? and i were texting the other day but it sounds like it's kind of yeah i
1: think i don't know yeah well so you come back and among other things i know you've been been involved with a few things over those whatever two or three years between that and Tutsi, but mm-hmm. one of them how did you end up with bernadette peters and hello oh, Dolly? Yeah. I know it's just a short period but that that is a fun show to watch. I don't know if it's a fun show to do. It
0: is. Yeah. It is. It's up there with this with Tootsie. Really? I mean, I do think that also was one of those things. There was a what was the TV show. There was some TV show I was up for that we were hoping was gonna happen and yep. end up falling apart. And I shot a pilot that also we had just found out was we hadn't found out yet. Scott Rudin's office called my reps and were like, Hey, would he be interested in like coming in for like a brief time to Hello Dolly? And initially, again, I was like, no, I'm not going to be good at that. (laughs) I I don't think I'll be good at... You get like 10 days of rehearsal. Which part was this? Cornelius. Cornelius. So we said no. Right. They came back, and uh, then they were like, well, would you go see it? What if we just got in tickets? And so we went and watched, and uh, when Bernadette Peters sang, before she sang, before the parade passes by, she has that monologue to her husband, her passed away husband. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I were both crying. Mm -hmm. And we were like... It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. And you didn't have to commit for that long. It was two months. And it was summer stock on Broadway with Victor Garber and Burnett Peters and Kate Baldwin. I mean, yep. it's insane. Right. I was so lucky. And Jerry Zachs was fantastic. And Steve Edland, his associate who, you know,
1: stepped me through it again. It was 10 days of prep, but it was a, and that show. Oh, that's amazing. Is a joy. So in there, I guess you do your Fosse Verdon episode as well. Yep. Which I don't know. Have you been? Have you I been watch watched? It? It. I don't watch. It's anything. going Never, really. over huge. No, it's great. Yeah. I hear it's great. Yeah, and I knew that from the writing. Right, Stephen right. Levin said. I mean, it's great. But now, this brings us to the uh, featured attraction, which is Tootsie, which opened on Broadway, having already played in Chicago, opened on April twenty third. You're playing Michael Dorsey and Dorothy Michaels, these characters who people probably know first from the the film Tootsie from nineteen eighty two. Dustin Hoffman played it. But now the idea that they would turn a great comedy, I think, according to the American Film Institute, the second greatest comedy of all time in terms of films, you're going to take it and make it into a musical and do it on Broadway. How did you even hear about it at the beginning? And would you have thought that this is something that you should pursue? Or was it somebody else's idea? It was not my idea. (laughs)
0: I had worked up at New York Station Film with Scott Ellis, our Mm -hmm. director, Mm -hmm. on something that I had written that he had directed, and we got along very well. I thought he was hilarious, and smart, and talented, and also a good, a deeply good man, mm-hmm. a great man, and and thoughtful, and generous. And uh, I was like, that's that's good to remember, you know? And he called me, I think, a week later, after we finished, and he said, I got a script, will you read it? He told me he was tootsie, I was like, oh, based on the movie one? the. And I was, and I kind of launched into a like, you got to make sure whoever you get, I was like, you know, he can't just be a singer and he can't just be a comedian and he can't just be an actor. He has to, and he can't, you know, he has to also be able to sing. And he also, I like launched into this, like, (laughs) oh, that's a good part. You better make sure. He was like, I just called you. Will you read it? I was like, okay, yeah, I'll read it. And uh, that was three years ago. Yep. And he said, let's just do the first reading, mm-hmm. and we'll see what we think. Mm-hmm. You know, the great thing is then I got to—and I'd met David Yazbek before. He didn't remember, but—and um, he shouldn't have. I got to meet Robert and David and the whole team of people who were incredibly collaborative and incredibly lovely. And was David also in the midst of, I guess, the band's Well, business? I was in the very first reading of the band's visit before there was any music. My so God. with Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. So yeah, and how Prince was directing that at the time. So it was like a very. I remember back then. I would yeah. also done a reading of. I can say this. He won't care. He won't listen anyway. David <laughs> won't listen to this. But of Animal House. Yeah. They were going to do Animal House as a musical. Mm-hmm. I did a reading of that that he had din- rid- written some songs for. I don't think that's happening. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's here's the bigger thing: is right. how many? Do you know how many experiences I've been in <laughs> with all those readings that go nowhere? Yeah. So this is another one of those. Like, all right, yeah, let's read it. Sounds like a good part. I mean, all I remembered from the movie, it came out the year I was born, so I didn't see it until much later mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, and I didn't remember it that well. I just remember, right. oh, that's a great part. Mm-hmm. That's it. So Scott called. I watched the movie then, and that was kind of it. The movie came on during the holidays with my family, and we kind of casually watched it, but that was it. So three years. I think we did nine readings over the process of the three years, and in the meantime, doing Fosse
1: Verdon, right, doing all these, all these uh, pilots things, of things. Yeah. doing Yeah. And the primary... Person that's propelling this is that Scott, Scott Sanders? O,
0: Scott, I mean, well, Scott, yes, of course. Yeah. Scott Sanders and Carol Feynman, who are yes. our lead producers, yes. are definitely leading the ship. Yeah. But Scott is. Scott. The, and people the in LA, who,
1: ship. where a lot of our listeners are, I believe he's also, you he's know, a directs a lot TV of TV. He's yeah. done the Marvelous Ms. Maisel and all yeah. kinds of yeah. stuff. comedies, so. dramas. Yeah. He did the live Christmas story live thing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, in terms of now, you know, going through all these readings and whatever, in the course of doing that, I guess, even. Like when you're doing a reading, are you have you figured out the Dorothy no.
0: voice? No, you figured nothing out. No. You're that, just trying crap, yeah. basically. You're like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what's gonna stick, what doesn't. I did when he called and we looked at the first when I watched the movie the first time, I there were three things that stuck out. Mm-hmm. She's from the South, there's a red dress, and the conflict is that he falls in love, but as someone that he is not. Right. That's it. That's the core of the story. So anything beyond that, I say go for it up for grabs. Mm -hmm. And luckily they agreed. I mean, I think it changed so many different ways. We tried, I tried a version of her as like a Minnesotan from my time, (laughs) in Minnesota, which was interesting, but we felt like, why not? Just sell it. What's the problem? Right. I'm not a great impressionist. So I wasn't worried about me doing an impression of Dustin Hoffman. Also I didn't watch the movie that much. So I couldn't, I couldn't have tried. Right. And then it's a pro you know, it's a learning process. That's what's one of the great things about this is There were so many things we had to figure out. And to me, that's super exciting because I have lists of like, okay, here we go. I'm going to watch women on the subway. (laughs) I'm going to talk to my mom and my sister about certain things that I never thought of asking them. I'm going to talk to my voice teacher about what is realistic Mm -hmm. eight times a week. I'm going to start walking in those high heels with Leslie Flesner, who is in the ensemble of Hello Dolly, who is also the assistant dance captain now at Tootsie. She put me through my paces. You know,
1: all of that's exciting. Well, and I think, One other thing that may have given you guys a little bit of trepidation, because I think it was unfolding as you guys were developing the show. We have the whole Me Too thing comes out. We have a society that's becoming more sensitive to gender politics and, you know, trends and all kinds of things. I know that you were actively making sure that the material was going to be and that your performance was going to be respectful about that. Can you share what some of the steps were that you took? Absolutely. A
0: playwright friend of mine reached out to me, Winter Miller, who's a friend. I'd done a reading of hers. And she said, yo, I'm excited for you. I heard that you're doing this. I'm thrilled for you. I'm also terrified for you. (laughs) And I really think, and she, she knew me. So she knew that she was talking to someone who wanted to listen. And she suggested we reach out to Gloria Steinem or Rebecca Tracer. We reached mm-hmm. out to Gloria Steinem, who is understandably very busy, Yes, but was lovely through Emily Mann, who's mm-hmm. also a friend. I ended up Googling Rebecca Traster, who mm-hmm. said Tootsie was her favorite movie, on Twitter. And I was like, oh, this is a sign. That's it. And then, and all I'd seen, I mean, I'd read articles that Rebecca had written, but I didn't know her work as well as I do now, of mm-hmm. course. And then I looked her up on Twitter And saw that Kate Baldwin followed her, and she followed Kate Baldwin, who at the time, during Hello Dolly, I was making out with every night. (laughs) So I went up to Kate, and I was like, Kate, how do you know, why are you following Rebecca Tracer, and why is Rebecca Tracer following you? Right. She's like, oh, we went to college together. So, and my wife was like, it's (laughs) Beshared. You have to, you have to reach out to her. And uh, I did. We had lunch, and... We talked about the movie, we also ended up, she spoke at Michael Friedman's, this is so insidery, but
1: this is a, that's what it yeah. is.
0: She spoke at Michael Friedman's funeral that I was at mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, which was at Germantown Friends School, which is the school that both Michael Friedman went to, Rebecca Tracer went to, and my wife went to. Oh my God. So I was there, and then I we had lunch, and I was like, oh my gosh, you were the person who spoke at the funeral. And I had done readings of some of Michael's stuff, right. and uh, loved him, and I said, I told her, I was like, listen, I like to think of myself as a progressive guy. I know there are things I know I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I started reading all of her stuff. She started, she just kind of drilled into me. It it stuck with me that the physical stuff is fine Mm -hmm. and funny and Mm -hmm. real. But the bigger stuff is the stuff that is inbred into society that
1: that you don't think about. And my awareness level just exploded. Well, Uh, so the thing that everybody remembers about tootsie the movie and if even if they haven't yet seen the show mm-hmm. where it comes up again is you know essentially i'm paraphrasing but like it took me being a woman to learn what's how to be a pro- better man how to be a better man i was a better
0: man with you as a woman than i ever was with a woman as a man yes i just have to learn how to do it all without the dress i think that's
1: larry Gelbart from the movie yes yeah. and so that's michael dorsey's experience is that also santino fontana's experience i mean not to the same degree yeah. i will say
0: Michael Dorsey has zero <laughs> emotional intelligence yes. and is completely unaware of people outside of himself at the beginning of the of the story. Yes, that wasn't that's not me. That was not me. No, I, I just mean the idea that no, you no, see you the world do, Absolutely. Yeah. How could you? But it's the same with any role. Right. You know what I mean? Right. If you're really paying attention and you're really being honest about trying to step into somebody else's shoes, right. you're going to learn more about yourself and humanity. Yeah. I mean, I'm nev- we're never asked. There are three men in this room right now. Yeah. For people who can't see, no one is ever asking us. Hey, do you need a- Do you want us to walk you to the subway at one in the morning? Mm-hmm. You know, drill down on that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Wait, like for for a woman to walk outside mm-hmm. is dangerous. Later, what the fuck? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. like that's the stuff. The fact that equal pay for equal work is not. Ugh, yeah. I could go on. Yeah. I mean, I'm at I'm at stores. In the city, and I hear a guy start giving a woman behind the counter a harder time than she deserves or anyone mm-hmm. deserves. And I, my trigger finger gets real, mm-hmm. like, what are you
1: doing? Mm-hmm. Stop it, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> Stop it. Did you, as you were developing the look of the character and, and the you know, figuring out how you're going to walk and all the things that you have to do here, did you actually go out in the no. world? No? no, absolutely not. No, I, because... yeah what we're doing is an illusion.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I also knew, and in the same way that the biggest thing that I envy about the film, the people who had the experience of making the film mm-hmm. is they had hours and hours and hours and hours in a makeup trailer. Yeah. I have 10 seconds. Oh, it's amazing, the turnarounds. Yeah, it's a lot. But don't get too close. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine, because also, I will also say, there are all different types of women. There right. are women who look all different ways. Right. There's not one type of way that a woman looks or sounds. Right. So the canvas is broad. Right. But... If you are playing somebody who's trying to defraud others of who he actually is, you're not going to want them to get too close either. No. And you're also constantly terrified. Right. So Michael Dorsey is not swimming through this experience. No. He's terrified every step of the way. When he starts getting successful, it gets to his head,
1: and then his life falls apart. You know, that's, that's the story. True. This is, uh, I have said this without you, so I feel like I could say it with you and not not be brown nosing. This is The most fun, my favorite show of the season and the moment that I, the producer today, we we went and saw it together and the moment that I was won over and I just smiled the whole way through was I Won't Let You Down, this song where we first really see you blossoming as... Dorothy and singing in that voice, because you see that you've, you know, that's what the do or die moment, right? If you couldn't pull that off... We're screwed. You're screwed, right? (laughs) Yeah. And and you just killed it. So how long did it take to get to a point where you could sing beautifully, not just as yourself, but now as a totally different person? Yeah.
0: It took time. I mean, Joan later is my voice teacher. She had me sing that song in every key. And then we listened back and just listened to... Because comedy's in the contrast, mm-hmm. right? So and the movie people who did the movie did that, anybody knows that. So that we have to have a big contrast between Michael and Dorothy mm-hmm. in order for it to A be more, more believable and funnier. And then what's really achievable eight times a week? Which Well that's you what know, I was gonna ask. What it's unprecedented of, in some ways, yeah. like and Joan said this to me the other day. This week is particularly hard because we didn't have a day off this in these two weeks. We're going straight. So we're tonight's show will be show fourteen of sixteen in a row. So it's never going to get harder than this. Yeah. But the guy who sings in Little Mary Sunshine, he's not also singing as a man for the other 50% of the show. Right. So we're kind of in new, like, we don't know. We don't really know. What's it done to your voice? How do you maintain your voice? I just take care of myself. I mean, you take care of yourself. I'm incredibly aware of my body and my, you know, I, I, I have an amazing support team at the theater, Brian Stromwasser and Lauren Galatelli and Margot Wallace, all the dressers, all of the people back Scott Rollison, and the stage management team and Scott Ellis and everyone's takes everyone's aware that
1: we're kind of like how you doing? Do we need water? What do you need? And do you have a firm end date yet or are you going to ride this as long as you can? I think we all signed a year contract, which is pretty standard. Yeah. You know. And you of think course. the voice can hold up for a year?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, you know, the great thing is that I, I want to like teach a class on like long runs because mm-hmm. no one teaches you how to do that. Well, what's the most actors important? are taught how to struggle, how yeah. to audition, how yeah. to fight, how to get an opportunity, but they're not taught once you get in the door how do you not only keep make it last but continue to fulfill yourself as
1: an artist to sustain yourself over a long time. We're not taught that. Well, so you know, I will say that the thing I, I've heard enough actors explain this that I accept that that i was wrong with my initial feeling but my initial feeling was that doing anything eight times a week over a year for three hours at a time is going to get tiresome absolutely that's not only physically but just mentally absolutely
0: i mean every other performance career Mm -hmm. baseball football basketball and they all have guess what Off-season. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know, we're up there eight times a week, six days a week. There's one day off. Of course, it's going to get tiring. So what we have to figure out is how can you prevent the snowball? That's the big big name of the game. Prevent the snowball. What starts as a sneeze, Uh, develops into a cough, develops into bronchitis in a week if you don't watch it. Or you've got a pain. I mean, I got cupped on my leg. I'll show you. You can't see it. (laughs) But I have cupping all over my leg. my shaved legs, by the way, (laughs) because what we're realizing is Dorothy bevels into her left hip more than her right. So over time, my left leg is grabbing on more than it needs to, which then climbs up to my waist, which climbs up to my shoulder, which climbs up to my neck,
1: which then, you know, it's that crap. But you're talking about a physical snowball. What I would be afraid of, and this is maybe because I don't have years and years of already doing this, is the mental snowball, which is Even if it's a great show, which this certainly is, even if it's a great part, which this certainly is, just does the repetitiveness of it wear you down?
0: I I wouldn't say wears you down. It's a challenge in—but it's also the fun part because no moment is the same. Okay. Uh, You could ask that question you just asked me again. It would not be the same. It can't be. You're not a machine. Right. So there's going to be a difference. And my job as the actor to not lie to you is to acknowledge what actually happened and respond in kind with— what is that moment actually about? Right. And what does that character want from this other character? What is our relationship and what actually happened? And then how are we gonna move from there? That is, that's fun. I mean, that's why I'm an actor. I mean, that's why I've, I can't picture myself ever, hey, trust me, I've taken the LSATs. I thought about getting out. <laughs> the idea, when I think of that, just the excitement level of being able to play a moment, whether it's on camera, and the script doesn't change. You're saying the same scene. Right. We're doing four takes, five takes, 10 takes, 12 takes. You're doing the show for 400 performances straight. Every time you step up to that moment, you have the opportunity to breathe life into it, which cannot be repeated. And that is thrilling because it unites an audience who just saw it. And they know when it's fake and it's not. And you that do too. attitude
1: goes back to. Guthrie. Ken. Yeah. yeah, that's all Ken. Yeah. How Last question. Up? We sit here 10 days away from the Tonys. I see a theme. There is a theme here. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's, this show has been a phenomenon. The reviews couldn't be better. Making more than a million a week, which is a milestone not many shows ever get to. 11 Tony nominations, including Best Musical and Best Actor in a Musical. All of this. What have these last few weeks been like for you? And what do you anticipate? You know, wh- how do you follow this? Listen, like I said
0: earlier, I've been, luckily, within these 10 blocks where we are right now, you know, the Snapple theater where I did fantastic. is across the street. Mm-hmm. I've been within these 10, 14 blocks since I moved here in 2006. And it's lovely to be seen and to be recognized and to be a part of a community of artists who I also admire and am honored to be within, to be considered amongst them. So that's all lovely. Mm-hmm. And, 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 these last couple of weeks have been exciting and tiring mm-hmm. and surprising and all of the above. Beyond this, I think you probably will know more than I from the outside. I'm in it. So I'm just trying to, you know, I've got work to do. We've got, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not over. No. And no. I do think, you know, someone said, this always happens, though. After Sons of the Prophet, there was, um, I got all these scripts and the scripts were always, someone's, I'm dying. And the last scene, I cry. And I was like, "We gotta get out of this." <laughs> and it, you know, you'd be surprised. Now right. the thing that people are saying, like, "Oh, so like, a, like a big, like, high octane comedy TV show." <laughs> like, we, we literally just did that, or it's right. something to deal with gender politics, and like, right. we literally just yeah, did that. Yeah. I don't think anything changes in the in, from my point of view in terms of great stories, great characters, great working with great people, and uh, you know, trying to continue to chase that. That passion of what I love to do. I don't think I can do anything else. I think any idea that you can is
1: lunacy because you can't control it. You can't. I don't think. Well, thank you so much and keep up the great work. It was a treat to get to see it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks very much for tuning in to Awards Chatter. We really appreciate you taking the time to do that and would really appreciate you taking a minute more to subscribe to our podcast for free on iTunes or your podcast app, and to leave us a rating as well. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach me via Twitter at twitter.com slash scottfeinberg, and you can follow all of my coverage between episodes at thr.com slash the race. Finally, be sure to check out the other podcasts that are part of the Hollywood Reporters Podcast Network, all of which are excellent. Leslie Goldberg and Daniel Feinberg's TV's Top 5, Seth Abramovich and Chip Pope's It Happened in Hollywood, Carolyn Giardino's Behind the Screen, and Josh Wigler's Series Regular. On behalf of all of us at The Hollywood Reporter, thanks for tuning in. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.